money seems to be the thing that we least like to talk about, but yet it impacts us more than anything else. When we talk about relationships and why so many relationships have issues, a lot of times it can come down to money. When we talk about the workplace, there are things that are uncomfortable for us, like negotiating our salary or telling people how much we're making, or even down to hiding the financial hardships that our parents have had or caretakers or that we have experienced. And so Stephen Hughes is my guest today because he is changing the way that we talk about money. There's so much guilt and shame and fear surrounding money. This is one of the most important conversations. There's so many other things that are connected to money. You'll hear me talk about my story today and how really working on my relationship with money has helped to transform my entire life. So thank you so much for being here. And I cannot wait for us to have this conversation. Welcome to The Plastic Couch. Hey there, it's Kristen Crockett, and you are listening to The Plastic Couch, a podcast to help you find clarity and confidence in your life. Most of us remember someone from back in the day with a couch they kept covered with plastic. It was meant to protect and preserve the couch for tomorrow, but the plastic was hot and uncomfortable and it kept everyone from enjoying it. So what does the plastic represent for you in your life? Is it perfection, fear, or something else? And what are you preventing yourself from enjoying, or better yet, from being? I'm your host, Kristen Crockett, and I'm here to help you with the tools to get clarity on your path to you and to help you see what's on the other side of the plastic. Steven, welcome to the Plastic Couch Podcast. How would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, first off, thanks for having me. I'm Steven M. Hughes. I'm a financial therapist and Reiki master healer. I want to talk about healing because... So many of us, and specifically for people of color, healing has not always been something that has been a part of our lives in terms of therapy. I want you to take us back a little bit and talk to us about your healing journey. So how did everything get started for you as it relates to Reiki and also financial therapy as well? Sure. And I think that a lot of people who have gotten in contact with me or know my story, most people have really related to the financial healing side of things. My parents are both Jamaican. You know, I'm a first generation Jamaican American. And one thing that my parents always stressed when we were younger was education. Imagine being in a high school applying for scholarships to go to college, which is like a lot of high school students' lives when we're we're here in America. But think about applying for a scholarship to go to high school. And that was my parents' reality. In Jamaica, if you didn't have the money to pay for school, you'd have to get a scholarship. And then if you didn't get a scholarship, then you would pick up a full-time job. Like my dad's been an electrician since he was uh, in his early teens. Needless to say, like when uh, my parents were really uh, focused on helping us get to the next level and all the levels that we would see as as children, they were really focused on education. But we didn't talk much about uh, financial education in my household. 
And that wasn't anything crazy to me when we were growing up. It was eight of us in a three-bedroom house, sometimes 10, depending on who is here from Jamaica. And we had some challenges in our household when it came to like keeping the utilities on or even keeping the house where we wanted it to be as we had you know, this big family in the house. And so experiencing things like the water or lights being cut off and not talking about those financial challenges, uh, I took all of those financial experiences with me to college. And so I made every money misstep possible. I had seven maxed out credit cards. I had overdraft fees to the point they closed off my accounts. Two repossessions. I got evicted from my apartment. My credit score was a 385 at one point. And so during college and then really like after I dropped out in 2010, I was making all of these uh, money mistakes and really wanted to change my financial life around because I knew this is, this is not the way that I wanted things to go. I was trending more in like the the things that I never thought I would experience again when I was a kid. And a, a mentor of mine, he uh, told me about this book called The Richest Man in Babylon, which is right up my alley uh, because it was a book full of stories and all of the music that I love and listen to, you know, a big fan of storytellers. And so, which is why I, I think it's so important to tell our stories now, whether it's through money or healing or otherwise. But once I read that book, I started changing some things that I was doing in my financial life and I was meeting people who were in one of two buckets. Either one, they wanted to steer clear of all the money mistakes that I made, so they wanted to hear my story, or they had made the same money missteps too and wanted to figure out how to fix their money missteps themselves. And as I shared more stories, I realized just where people were and wanted to really be a resource for people who were going through the same thing that I was when I was in college. And so I started a nonprofit in 2014 called No Money, and it's spelled K-N-O-W because people ask me, well, if you don't have no money, how are you going to teach me about money? But <laughs> just to get clear on the spelling there. But, uh, you know, with all the work that we've done at No Money, really focused on Black college students and helping them build a legacy of financial literacy and wellness. I've really leaned into the financial psychology side of things and the financial behavior side of things. Because even teaching financial literacy over the past seven years, I realized that even if someone knows what they should do, or if they know the difference between a checking and a savings account or a debit or credit card, that didn't always lead them to action. And that's because the things that we hear, the things that we see, and the things that we experience, all three of those things around money, all three of those things, you know, impact how we think about money and the way that we behave with money. And a lot of people don't take the time to take a pause and figure out like, well, what were the things that really impacted the way that I'm managing my money now? Like, why do I spend the money the way that I do? Maybe it's because I'm making decisions from like teenage me when I had no say in the household. So I'm going to buy whatever I want now. Or maybe like I really wanted to take care of my family growing up. And so I'm hoarding a bunch of money in my savings account when that money could be used to grow my wealth in other ways. And so uh, that's really where the healing started, like from front to back uh, to, you know, catch you up now and in regards to my money. And from there, like everything else kind of opened up because I, I realized the ways that I was harming myself, not only financially, but the ways that I wasn't living healthy, you know, when it came to my money, when it came to my physical and later when it came to my mental and spiritual energy. All right, so let's pause there for one second because I do want to get back to some of the money mindset 
issues that you had growing up. So in all mindset work, and I always talk about this for transformations, mindset is really one of the most important things that you can address because it does dictate everything that you are going to believe how you're going to act, like everything, all your behaviors are tied to what it is that you believe, which is your mindset. So for you, give us one that you recognize from your own childhood or early life that you were able to make that connection in order to shift it. Sure. And uh, you're speaking my language because I I operate off of four money cycles that I think we all go through when it comes to making healthy decisions. And shift is the first one because we just shift our our mindset, whether it's unlearning things that don't serve us or learning things that will help us reach our financial goals and and create our financial vision. But when I was younger, like I heard this stupid quote. And I think that we've all heard it before. And it was money is the root of all evil. Yes. And, you know, I've had people like I've, I've spoken at, you know, companies, at colleges, universities, at nonprofit organizations, at conferences. And when I ask people about this myth, oftentimes someone will correct me to say, well, it's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. I'm quoting a scripture from the book. It wasn't until I stopped and paused and really learned that money is energy. And there's nothing evil about it. In the past, like thinking about the experience of African-Americans here in the United States, like in the past and currently, money is oftentimes used in our detriment. Like systematically, it's used to, to harm us or to put us in a bad situation. But money is energy. And once I got that down pat, I replaced the word money with the word energy with some of these negative statements or some of these myths that people were feeding me since I was a kid. And so if you replace the word money with the word energy, um, no one would ever say that energy is the root of all evil or the, the love of energy is the root of all evil. And I think that as we like think about things differently when it comes to our money, that's like the first place that you can start because it's something that so many of us have heard. And like you mentioned, mindset is the perfect place to start because it's just like building a house. If your foundation is is, uh, shaky, then it doesn't matter what materials you use to frame it out, to build it out, to uh, do all the electrical work and plumbing, you're going to have issues with this house down the road. And, you know, vice versa, if you use the tools to build a very strong foundation, then you can build whatever you want on this foundation, even if you have to rebuild again. And so definitely your your money mindset is going to change with the things that you have learned in the past and you decide to unlearn now or learning new things. So I love this because this, this action, I want to just talk about this for a second, Stephen, because this is a huge deal for me in terms of my own transformation. When we talk about money mindset, I definitely grew up going to school. I think the first year that this happened for me was second grade where I was going to school with people that, are, that were not just rich, but they were wealthy generations of money. And here I am, you know, we had it, we bought a car for $400. It was a used car that would definitely break down all the time. And here I am for the first time going to school with one particular girl. We pulled up to our house and I say, mommy, that's not her house. This is an apartment building. And she was like, no, Kristen, this is her house. And I will never, yeah, I will never forget 
walking in and seeing steps in her bedroom or, you know, a, a waterfall in her backyard, all of these things that just, it was so, it was so completely foreign to me. And it's not up until very recently that I had to really come to terms with what does that do to you as a second grader to be exposed to all of this, which is so different from everything that I had come from. And I had to really think about everything that I had taught myself about money or, or the experiences I had growing up that were all related to money for me in my own life and business. So it's really making that connection as to how that impacted me as a younger child. Mm, mm. That's, that's huge. I think that one, I have not seen a house that I thought it was an apartment and I definitely have not seen any steps in any of my friends, childhood or otherwise bedrooms. So you, your homie was living large to say the least. Exactly. Um, and you know, the other thing is like everyone was living like that. And so it was so normal for them. But mm. for me, I describe it as walking into a department store where somebody's leading you around and they've seen it 55 million times, but for you, everything is so brand new. And so mm. it, it definitely does impact the way that you look at money. And then when you said money is the root of all evil, I definitely remember a time with my dad. I was five years old. He was putting me to bed and I said, daddy, can, let me ask you a question. What is the most evil thing in the world? And he said, money. And when mm. you think, when you think about that, you know, it's like, if you're taught as a kid and you start to believe that money is evil, then why would you want to hold on to it? You don't. Exactly. And so, you don't. yeah. And so it's really shifting that. And I'm glad that you said energy because that's exactly what I had to do too, is to really think about money as energy where it goes in cycles. It comes, it goes, it flows freely. And, you know, now it's like knowing that when I spend it, it's going to come back. That's my belief, period. I love it. Uh, and that's a belief that I have, too. And I also I'm also clear that that wasn't always my belief. So right. thinking back to what you mentioned about, you know, your dad telling you that the most evil thing in this world is money. You're right. No one wants to be around something that's so evil. So as you're getting older and you're getting money it's going to change the way that you spend it because you'd rather have the things that aren't evil than the money that you have that you've been told for years and years and years that that is evil. And you see so many people like buying different things or, or putting their money into different things that are making them happy. But really until we take a step back and examine what it is that we want to do with our money, not anyone else, not anybody else's situation, not our not your mom, not your dad, not your sister, brother, cousins, goals, or financial vision. But until we take a step back and figure out, like, what is it that we would want to see in our life or that we want to see in our financial life uh, and make decisions from there? It's a, it's a whole nother ballgame. And for a lot of my clients, I let them know that uh, we make our financial decisions centered around one specific question. Is this leading me closer to wellness? Love it. And once people, you know, use that as the, their anchor, as their thing that they make decisions from, it's changed the way that my clients have, you know, looked at money and not only looked at money, but behaved with their money. And so I think you, you're right, right on the, the spot when it comes to uh, what you get as far as money education at a young age and how that impacts you, you know, 
in our adult life, no matter how old you are. Yeah. So let's talk for a second. So both you and I also have affirmations available for people. So let's talk about the role of affirmations in your life and how that has also helped you to shift your mindset. So tell me more about that. Sure. Uh, And I start my morning with a a routine where I, I journal, meditate, I pray, I recite affirmations, I work out on good days and I, you know, start my day from there. But I, I still remember when I hit financial rock bottom as a young adult, it was after I had gotten a DUI and the job that I had, my full-time gig, uh, I had a, a truck that they were paying for uh, and that they gave me a gas card for. So I had to have like a, an updated license. And so I remember, you know, getting, first off, getting my car repossessed and then six days later losing my job because of things that had happened six months prior uh, with the DUI and really hitting financial rock bottom. And when I decided I was going to get myself out, I started listening to like all the motivational speakers that people talk about. So I was listening to Les Brown or Jim Rohn or Og Mandino or Tony Robbins, E.T. the Hip Hop Preacher. I was listening to one of them every single day. One of them was in my ears every single day telling me how things could be changed or how things could be different. And this was back when I was still working a full-time job. And once my mind started to change, I started to say these things without even listening to the, the recordings. Uh, I started to behave differently in my life when it came to the things that I've been listening to. And so for two years, I was doing that. And to think back on that time now, like fast forward now to 2021, I think about how much I had to reprogram my mind. And so uh, when we talk about affirmations, uh, affirmations give you the opportunity to affirm what will happen now or in the near future for you or um, the people around you. And so just to give you an idea of affirmations that I use, but the first affirmation that I usually say when I get my day started is I am a creator and have been given the power to create starting with my life. And that sets the tone. If I feel like there are a bunch of external factors that are messing up my money or even like throwing me off track, it gives me the opportunity to, to come back to myself and really think about things differently. And when you start reciting affirmations, like I, I still remember when I started using them, it's weird at first talking to yourself about yourself. Right. But um, when, we, when we stop and pause and give ourselves some time to really think about the things that are going on around us, we have everybody else talking to us except ourselves. Like the music that you listen to, the podcast that you listen to, like this one, the TV that you watch, like all of these things are, you're digesting mentally and they are somehow impacting the things that you either do or say. And so taking a, a pause and saying like, what are the things that I actually want to hear for myself? What are the things that I actually want to accomplish for myself? Because not only do I talk about money in my affirmations, but I definitely talk about spirituality, talking about my connection with the most high. I talk about things that I, I want to do in abundance. Like I grow food to sustain myself and my family. And so there's so many different ways that you can use affirmations and declarations. But the biggest thing about these things is that it helps reprogram and rewire your mind. Uh, like if, if you've ever had to repair a phone or, or some type of electronic, you need somebody who can, you know, who knows the ins and outs 
and can show you exactly what needs to be changed for your device to work. Well, we're the same way. And for us to work best, like we have to do the reprogramming, rewiring. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things with my daughter is like, I'll hear her kind of talk to herself and I'm always saying to her, Hey, 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 you have to make sure that you watch how you talk to even to yourself. Like you should always be talking to yourself in a very loving and wonderful way. And I think a lot of us may not understand that all of that from, like you said, what we watch, there's certain, certain television shows that I've had to stop watching because I realize that even if you don't believe them, there's still this part of you that's listening to them, that's hearing it. It's still information going into your body. And like you said, what's, what's your line that you, that you say to, to your clients about wellness? Will this get me closer to my wellness? Absolutely. And I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. But I think there's also another important part about affirmations that I'd love for us to talk about here too, which is, they can start to rewire your brain and get you to really start to believe that something is possible. When you are saying or repeating an affirmation that is so completely outside of your experience, there's this part of you that actually it's, it's possibly doing harm to you because it is so far off from what it is that you believe at this present day. So how do you decide which affirmations are kind of like where you want to be and which ones are just completely far-fetched that you may not even necessarily want to say? For sure, for sure. They have to get to the point where they see that for themselves. And so a, a simple thing that people can do if they're just starting out with affirmations and they've, they've got a list of affirmations that they rock with or they want to recite, uh, for the things that make them feel most uncomfortable, but they still know that this is a goal of theirs or something that they want to see for themselves and their families, you can start the affirmation with, it's possible. Instead of using words like I am, or I see, or I feel, or I love, you can start the affirmation with, it's possible to. Like, it's possible to create the atmosphere that I live in every day. It's possible to be rich and wealthy. It is possible to grow my own food to sustain myself and my family. It is possible to, and, and go from there when it comes to starting your affirmations. Because as you mentioned, for people who are maybe in a, a position, a financial position or otherwise, that they uh, are really clawing to, to get back to square one or, uh, just really wanting to talk to themselves and understand that they are already having some mental pushback or some negative self-talk. That's a way that you can start, you know, generating some positive self-talk because just because it's possible, you can start seeing yourself in that possibility and, and not push the idea away so immediate when you hear the words like I am because you don't see yourself as that person. And so that's one thing that people can definitely do when they're creating affirmations to just give themselves the clarity to know that it's possible that this thing can happen before they insert themselves with the words like I am or I fill in the blank on that specific affirmation or declaration. Love it, love it, love it. What are some of the main reasons why people come to you? So I've got two different sets of clients, so we can talk about either one of them. I work with one-on-one -on -one uh, clients 
mostly black entrepreneurs and millennials who want to create a better relationship with their money. And then I work with companies and organizations that want to reduce the financial stress to their team members so they can feel better about work and more progressive at work. Okay. I love that. So tell me about some of the wins from people or companies that you have worked with. Sure. So really like my one-on-one work, it's, it's evolved over time because as I mentioned, I've really started in financial education because of my own money missteps. And I was really just eating all of the books and podcasts and videos that I could to learn more about money and getting myself on a solid financial footing. And once I started creating curriculum for schools and organizations, I really realized that it goes back to the mindset like we've been talking about. And so uh, for the past few years, I've turned my focus from financial literacy to financial psychology and behavioral finance, which really puts the focus on the mind and how we make these money decisions and why we make these money decisions. And so a lot of my clients, they're able to pinpoint how they felt about money when we first started working together, whether that was them feeling anxious or even, you know, being in a, having a scarcity mindset or being like just nervous to talk about money or even hear about money advice to the point now that they have clarity where they feel uh, like a weight is off of their shoulders. And, and some have even told me that they're able to navigate and, and really lead the conversation about money, not just for themselves or with their families. Um, and so there's one client that I have who he's in his forties now, but before we started working together, he never saved money. He'd always lived paycheck to paycheck. And even though he knew he needed to save money because he's got a, a son, he just never, it, it was the doing part that was messing him up. And, you know, after we sat down and had a couple of sessions, it really got clear to him on what was his mental block into saving the money and what was his block to even taking the action where he knew how he wanted to save the money and what he was saving the money for. And for a lot of, for a lot of people that I've seen and that I've worked with, if you don't have the clarity of what this money is going towards or uh, why you're doing this thing in the first place, if that thing isn't strong enough, then you're just going to default back to your, your old habits um, before you create new ones. And so now being able to see him not only uh, save money, but save thousands of dollars and go out, you know, being a full-time entrepreneur and creating his own financial safety net is such a, I don't even know what to say. Like it's, it's such an empowering thing for me to see uh, because I didn't get into financial therapy um, for myself. I realized that this was something that was impactful for me. And I felt like I wanted to share it with my community, with my people then. And so all of my work on the one-on-one side is really focused on helping Black entrepreneurs and millennials. But still, when I hear the stories and when I see the light bulbs go off and when I see people take action from my work, there's very few things that get me higher, you know, than seeing my, my clients really hit their marks. I absolutely love it. So, Stephen, you and I are both Reiki practitioners, but when we talk about Reiki, there are a lot of people out there who may not know what Reiki is. So I'd love for you to give your definition about what Reiki is to you. Sure. Uh, And Reiki, for people who aren't familiar, is a healing modality that's thousands of years old. Uh, We've seen it used in multiple cultures, uh, but the Reiki that you and I practice was preserved by 
the Japanese culture. And so um, Reiki is two words in Japanese, R-E-I, meaning spiritual or sacred, and K-I, meaning energy. And so with all of my Reiki clients, just as with yours, I help my clients uh, remove like any blockages they have with their energy and even recharge their energy in their body. And when I say energy, I think that uh, some people may be thinking, you know, all types of things. But just to be clear, like all of us are experiencing energy around us. It's just like when you walk into a room after two people were arguing, you could feel that energy, that tension. Or if you're like meeting someone for the first time and y'all really hit it off and become like fast friends, your energy and their energy is, is connecting and speaking to each other. And so uh, whether you are conscious of how you're managing your energy or kind of just moving through life, I help my clients really get uh, very intentional about how they're using their energy, um, just like any other resource that they have, including money. So when we talk about energy, energy is in absolutely everything. And a lot of my work also is with helping people understand that where, for example, illnesses, when you are talking about Mm -hmm. things that you have not dealt with, it shows up in the body. So emotions that are trapped inside of you, it will impact different organs. Um, And it's really just like a blockage within your body. When we have feelings, if we don't let them out, they got to go someplace. With energy and wellness and healing, tell us how you utilize Reiki in conjunction with your financial wellness. So I use Reiki in my financial therapy practice um, in conjunction with talk therapy. I've had a therapist for a few years now when things were feeling a little overwhelming for me at at work and in life. And we've sat down for sessions and I've I've grown a lot since working with her. Um, And so I use a a similar uh, setting for my clients to talk about money and the uneasiness that they may have with money. But in addition to that, I use uh, money Reiki to remove financial blockages that they have in their energy just like you would use Reiki to remove blockages from your clients. I I think that every Reiki master or Reiki practitioner marries Reiki with the the specific practice of Reiki with the gifts that they've been given or they use. And so for me, that's using my financial education, my financial psychology and my behavioral finance experience over the past 10 years to really get help clients get clear um, or find that clarity on their finances and their energy and wellness as a whole. So when you look back on your path for the last 10 or 15 years and you're comparing it to where you are now, tell us like, what do you think has been one of the most important things that has created alignment within your values, within your, your belief system um, and with your goals? So what, is, what has been the major factor for you in terms of creating that alignment in your life? I think the biggest thing is my relationship with the Most High and listening to myself and my intuition as I go throughout my life. For intuition, like for me, I had to learn to trust and verify my intuition. Like there are things that would come to me and then I would meet someone or have someone in my life that would also confirm these messages And when I was younger, like I would pray uh, to God to say like, hey, I'm a very simple man. I don't want to miss any messages or communication you have for me. Please make it so clear that I would not miss it. 
And then for something that I'm praying about or uh, that that came to me intuitively, I would get confirmation by a simple message from someone I already knew or a total stranger or something different. And so, um, you know, having that alignment really came through getting clear and strengthening my intuition and my relationship, my spiritual relationship, because I can think back from when I started in financial education, when you're working to survive and when you're living paycheck to paycheck, oftentimes it's hard to see past the next day or the next week or the next Absolutely. month. Absolutely. Yeah. And so once I, you know, wasn't living paycheck to paycheck, I could start thinking about how all the other things in my life was impacting me, um, whether it was my spirituality or whether it was uh, my physical weight. Like, you know, in when I first got started, I weighed uh, an additional 100 pounds. And so just doing different things that um, have brought me wellness uh, has been my anchor of understanding myself and understanding my connection to the most high and having those things, you know, very clearly like lead me in my life. Because last year when I quit my full-time job to work with financial therapy clients full-time, um, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew that I was supposed to listen. And even as I'm now a Reiki master teacher and it, leading more people to this healing uh, modality, when most people know me for finances, I think that it's, uh, it's exposing other people to other ways that they can heal themselves, not just their money, but other things that are going on in their lives. And really, I think that that's um, what we're supposed to be doing here. And, you know, that I'm, I'm very clear on that alignment that I'm used as a, a tool to communicate to people who are learning how to heal themselves and others. And I know that you and I have talked a little bit offline um, about, you know, my dad and his health and, you know, God rest his soul as he transitioned earlier this year, even having an experience like that, like losing my father, it was something that uh, I thought that I was going to be just inconsolable. Like I, I just thought that I was going to be, um, kind of broken up about it, not being able to do anything or moving forward. And, you know, my connection with uh, not only my, my dad um, as an ancestor now, but my connection directly like to my spirituality has helped me a lot in that area. And I actually picked up Reiki as a client last year when, uh, when he went into a coma last April, because there were things that I'd learned in therapy that were great or things that were, I learned in therapy that were helping me a little, but I needed something else. And uh, it wasn't until my partner, she told me like, hey, why don't you give Reiki a shot? And it's led me to this point now. And so uh, I know that wouldn't have happened if I didn't do the work 10 years ago, as we were talking about like what has led to this alignment. But there's so many things that happen, not just each year, but each week, each month that are happening like in our lives that when we look back, um, they definitely lead us to either closer to our purpose or get things clear for us so we can see it better. So just in talking about intuition, I think as kids, we are taught not to listen to ourselves. There's so mm -hmm. many experiences. There's so many adults. There's so many moments that tell us or that just kind of lead us in a different direction where we start to listen to everything that is coming into us instead of, you know, really observing the messages, you know, our inner voice. 
that feeling that says this is right or this is wrong, our moral compass, like all of these things, we start to listen to what everybody is putting into us instead of just kind of listening to ourselves um, and being guided by our values and things like that. So I think the most important thing about intuition is something that you said earlier, where it comes from everybody, right? So it's, it's kind of like, it can be in some people have repeating numbers, other people, mm-hmm. it can be a song that speaks to you or a poem or a line in a, in a, in a movie that you hear, but intuition comes from a lot of different ways to really move us in the right direction and move us in the direction that's going to, I should say, shift us in the right direction. Right. Um, And moving us toward the things that are really going to help us heal and that feel incredible for us. So what made you start listening to your intuition? Uh, I'm trying to think if, if I can pinpoint one specific thing that, I, that, that really led me to listening to my intuition more. And uh, I think it's a combination of things. Like uh, I, I mentioned my, my spiritual walk and journey. Um, that's definitely one thing that's led to me listening to my intuition more. But also the results of listening to my intuition in the recent past. Like when I've listened to my intuition uh, about work, like about my full-time work, like it would, it would be spot on every single time. And, you know, I'm coming from a world where I was in corporate sales for 10 years and, you know, the getting awards for being the top 1% in the company in sales in the, in the world or, hitting, you know, my, my million dollar mark in sales and different things like that. I can think back on when I was ripping and running, uh, as I used to say before, I would have so much activity like cold calling and stopping at appointments and different things like that. I would just listen to my intuition on where I should go and who I should talk to. And there were times where like people who were with me, like coworkers, they would say like, ah, that's probably not a big deal. Or, that's probably not something that I would care much about. And it's led me to success because other people weren't really in on the same frequency as I was. And when it comes to listening to intuition, uh, I think that's a big thing too, knowing that I'm on a frequency that is specifically for me and other people may be on a frequency that's specifically for them. And so I may not take advice or input to a certain point because I'm very, very, very specifically focused on my intuition. And so uh, there have been so many things that have led me to this point of trusting my intuition now, but I can pinpoint back to very specific uh, work experiences like that have made me money and have put me in a different position um, that I'm that's coming to my mind so fast now. And I think that's because like, as we've talked through this interview or really this conversation, um, I think back on how a lot of this work has started and it was really me getting my financial life together that's led me to my biggest impacts, whether that's physically, spiritually, mentally, it was, it started with me saying like, I want to get my money together. And that was not something that was, uh, that came intuitively to me, or, or at least I didn't think at the time, but, you know, as we mentioned when we get the opportunity to take a step back and even look back on what we've experienced, um, there've been so many instances of my intuition getting stronger and stronger to the point where I can uh, 
work full time for myself and I can guide other people to their healing and give them tools and techniques that they can use for themselves. Uh, but dang, that's a good question. I should, I should go back and sit down and figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, you, I think you definitely had a great response. I think you had a great response for that. Um, so Steven, let's talk about this concept of the plastic couch, right? So there's always something that is preventing us from truly being happy or to really go after the things that are going to make us happy. And you took that turn for yourself in the past few years, but what was it for you? Was it fear? Was it anxiety? Like what was that thing for you that you were trying to run away from or, or preventing you from really following your alignment and being happy? Going back to the money mistakes that I was making when I was younger, um, I think that it was, it was all of those things that you mentioned. It was fear of not being able to provide for myself and the family that I wanted. Uh, it was fear of not being able to support my parents uh, because, you know, that's like every immigrant child's dream to take care of their, their parents that sacrifice so much to come to this country. And it was also, it was me being anxious about the people around me and how they were doing financially. Uh, but we never talked about money, not only in my household, but generally with my friends and my, my other family members, we didn't talk about money in specifics. And so the, this fear, like I couldn't do anything with it, but just letting it get bigger and bigger until I was making all of the money mistakes. And that fear was realized to say like, oh, this is, this is exactly what I didn't want. And then like thinking back on how things changed, I can think back when I realized that rock bottom was, wasn't as crazy as I thought it would be. You know, all of these things that went into me being fearful and anxious about my money and then, you know, fearful and anxious about other areas of my life were, were clearer to me once I, once I realized like where, where I was rock bottom wise. And I think that uh, some people are negatively motivated when they can't see their goals or can't see the positive things that they want to accomplish. And that was me for a little while. Like I knew I couldn't see the things that I wanted in regards to my finances or couldn't see the things that I wanted in regards to my healing. But I got very clear on the things that I did not want. I didn't want to be in a position where I couldn't provide for myself financially. I didn't want to live with my parents forever. I didn't want them to be in a position where they felt like they had to work forever because I feel like me and my siblings are their retirement package. And so uh, when people don't have the opportunity to really think about the positive things that will motivate them, I tell my clients the same thing, to think about the things that would negatively motivate them, the things that they do not want, the things they want to stay as far and as fast away from. And so that was me when I first really got things started. And um, it really put me on a path and a position to even see this growth. Um, because once survival is a question that is answered, right? And for you and I, from the work that we do, we know that, that is the first uh, energy center for everyone that we work with. Once survival is done, it's a question that is, is complete and you can get your emotions in check. I think you start building on, on your personal power, on the things that you know to be true for yourself. And then you can start looking at the things that you love and the things that you want to, you know, grow or the things that you want to see 
um, happen in this world. And you can communicate those things a lot differently and clearer. And even to that point, like your intuition may get stronger and your spiritual relationship may get stronger because it all started with you really getting clear that survival is happening. Like if this is the worst thing that can happen as far as me hitting financial rock bottom, me doing all of the money mistakes, making all of the the missteps possible, and I'm still here, I'm still breathing, I can still eat. Um, you know, it, it changes your mind on what is possible, like we talked about the affirmations before. And so that's really where things started for me. And I hope the people that I come into contact with don't have to be in the same place that I was back then. But uh, even if they are, I, I've seen and experienced so many things that my clients are seeing and experiencing. And so it's helpful to come from that place when it comes to guiding them to their financial healing or otherwise. Absolutely. And I love that you talk about thinking about, even if you don't know where you're going, think about the things that you know that you don't want. So that was the premise for me, even writing a book, The Gift of Past Relationships was about, you know, a lot of times we may not know what an incredible relationship looks like, but we know what we don't want. And we can kind of go through all of our personal experiences, whether we're talking about money or career or life or relationships and to talk about the things that we know we don't want to bring forward in our lives. That's it. So what is one thing that you want people to know? One thing that I want people to know, I live my life by three words and it's action cures all. No matter the situation that you're in, if you take the first step no matter what the situation is, like we're talking about money, if you, you know, have maxed out all of your credit cards or can't get approved for the the home loan that you want, um, if you take one step towards your goal, then things will start getting a little bit clearer. And oftentimes that first step is research, or maybe that first step is verbalizing that you don't know what you need to do. And from there, like we we have so many uh, resources at our fingertips, whether it's um, our phones or computers to get to the internet, or even if it's us taking a step back to think about the people in our lives who've experienced some of these things that we either don't want to experience and we're trying to fix or that we're trying to grow to. Um, Like that's been a huge thing for me, just talking to mentors and elders and different people in my life and so, and, and taking steps of action from there. And so I, I'll, I'll leave that with that, my last bit of advice. Authentic action cures all. So not just action, but authentic action is going to lead you to your goal. And no matter what goal it is, um, if you take a step back and think about this next first step, not the whole damn thing, but the next step that you need to make, um, things get a lot clearer. So, Stephen, I want to thank you so much for your honesty and just for talking and sharing tidbits about your life today with us. And also, you know, love all of the information that you've given us. But if people want to connect with you and they want to perhaps even get a copy of these affirmations, where can they go to connect with you? Sure. They can connect with me on Instagram. I'm like most active over there and I'm Stephen M Hughes. So that's S T E V E N M like money, H U G H E F, or they can find me on clubhouse. I'm very, very active on clubhouse. We host multiple rooms every single week. Every Wednesday we have a group Reiki share. That's at 11 AM Eastern. 
every Tuesday, we have a Tax Tuesday room with a CPA to answer any of your personal business or tax questions. That's at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I'm creating more spaces for people to talk about money therapy and their financial challenges they face uh, so I can help them get over the hump and, and move over that obstacle. But um, if you want affirmations to shift some things uh, mentally and start reprogramming your mind, uh, you can find them on my website at stephenmhughes.com. And uh, I've loved this conversation. Looking forward to connecting with more people who want to grab the reins of their financial life and really build some financial wellness for themselves and their families. And more importantly, their communities. Stephen, thank you so much. I feel that money and the conversation about money is the most underutilized and under talked about thing that really impacts our lives way more than we absolutely think. And so I'm so happy that you are doing this work and that you are also doing this as a community and helping others to solve their money challenges and issues as well. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Plastic Couch Podcast. Appreciate you, Kristen. If you've been impacted by any episode, we'd love to hear from you. As always, anything that you hear today on the Plastic Couch, we have included links in the podcast as well as on the website at kristencrockett.com. If this is something that was helpful for you, if you learned anything today, please make sure that you share this podcast with someone else in your life. And also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please make sure that you rate the podcast and that you comment on it because this is the only way that people get to hear that the Plastic Couch Podcast is out there. So make sure you rate it, make sure you comment on it, share it. I'm Kristen Crockett, and thank you so much for spending your time with the Plastic Couch Podcast.